certainly thankful for Brother Randall's prayer and the song service. And, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I, I think he's so true that at some time in your life, uh, it's very easy to get in a spiritual desert and just be wandering around and not doing the will of the Lord and trying to figure out what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing or why life is going this way or why life is going another way. Last Sunday, uh, I spoke about 15 minutes and or just a little over maybe, and Brother Stephen Bloyd finished out the service. It was good to hear him preach. Hadn't heard him in such a long time. But the topic I took was peace, and if God would bless, I want to continue to look at that. The one thing I've come to realize is this prayer was offered this morning as I dwelt upon this subject is, are we applying God's word to our life? I mean, we can read about peace and joy and many, many other topics, but do you apply them to your life? Do they actually make a difference in your life? They, it's, it's good reading, but God wrote these things down that we might learn them, that we might change. You know, unless we've gotten to the point of perfection, and I don't believe any of us have, there's always room and need for change in our lives. And Hopefully, we're going to look at that. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, If therefore any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. All things are new. They become new to us when we're born again of the Spirit of God. You know, whatever your trouble is in this life, there's something in God's Word that addresses it. It has a fix to what ails us. I don't care what it is. You know, it may not fi fix every physical affliction, but it gives us the teachings of how to deal with whatever circumstances we're facing in life. And for that, we need to be very thankful and we need to study God's Word. Now, I want to read a verse before we get back over into the New Testament from the 8th chapter of Jeremiah and the 22nd verse. These words were directed at the children of Israel. We know that there's some physical teachings in God's word that bring forth the spiritual truth. And I say that just like in the first parable in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you do not understand this parable, how shall you understand any other parable, parable of the sower? If you've ever farmed and you've ever studied the parable of the sower, it ought to make perfect sense to you. And for anybody that lives in West Texas, it ought to make a lot of sense to you. If you don't go out and raise a crop and bring forth an abundance of fruit if you do nothing, if you don't remove the stones, Cultivate the fields, fertilize the fields, water the fields. You don't just plant the seed and go off for six months and come back and expect to have a bumper harvest. Friends, the lesson there, just to sum it up in shortness, is if we don't cultivate, if we don't fertilize our spiritual fields, if we don't water those spiritual fields, you can't, you can't begin to, to bring forth fruit. That was the lesson. We understand farming in a natural sense, do we not? Many, most people in West Texas, that's the number one thing to do is farm. If you don't get rid of the weeds, they're going to choke your crop out. They really are. 
If you don't get rid of the spiritual weeds in your life, they're going to choke the spirituality of your life. That's what they're going to do. Many stumbling stones that we have in life, and other the things of the world. If we don't cast them out, we're not going to have a very good crop. And like I said, if you farm, this ought to make good sense to you. And Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, it's not possible to understand any other parable. The fourth ground speaks of the good ground, and that was the ground that had been cultivated. That's the ground that had been fertilized. That's the ground that had been watered and prepared to bring forth a bumper crop. Now, God has to bless that crop to be a bumper crop, but I tell you, we cannot go out there and plant and drive off to Florida for six months and come back to expect a bumper crop. The weeds will have choked it out. Friends, that's how it is in our spiritual lives in Christianity in the United States of America. All of us understand that to some extent. Let's, let's notice the words, and we'll get off that. I mean, that's not my subject this morning. In, in Jeremiah chapter <clears throat> 8, verse 22, it says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? That's a question. And the prophet Jeremiah had the answer to the question before he asked it. He knew. He knew there was plenty of balm there. Balm represents medicine. It was a tonic or a rosin, things that helped to cure the diseases of that time. But here again... This is a, a natural teaching among a people, and it can be to you and I individually. This balm talks about a spirituality. It's a spiritual lesson set in a natural sense or natural state. And he said, and he questioned, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physicians there? Is there not any medicine here? Is there not any doctors here? Why then is not the health of thy daughter of my people recovered? Think about that for a minute. He knew there was medicine there. He knew there were physicians. But at this time, the children of Israel had rebelled against God to such an extent that the prophet Jeremiah, he, he cried and he mourned more than any prophet we read of over the children of Israel, Israel in the condition they were in. They were rebellious. They didn't want to do what God told them to do. They had the medicine right there at their hands. They didn't want none of it. That's sort of like you having a problem in this life today and say, I'm not going to the doctor. Even, even, even if your leg's swollen up and turned black and blue and might fall off, I'm not going to the doctor. I ain't taking the medicine. These people were stubborn. They were stiff-necked. Their hearts were hard, and they had no willingness to listen to this prophet, Jeremiah. We all know what happened, as we do with the other prophets. God destroyed these people, his own people. He raised up an enemy named Nebuchadnezzar, sent them down to the children of Israel, and they destroyed Israel, and they left a remnant. They went captive into Babylon for 70 years. You think, well, that, that, what does that have to do with me? Friends, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon made that clear. Don't think for one minute we as God's people can't be headed down the same road. Is there any bomb here? I believe that balm is Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you look at it in an eternal sense, that balm is the blood of Jesus Christ that literally cured us from our sins. What he did for us, he paid the sin debt, put our sins as far away as the east is from the west. He is the great physician. But we're dealing today with what takes place in time. Every day, this is what we need. Is there any bomb today in the United States? Is there any medicine? 
Your medicine's right here. It really is. There's not anything going on in your life that doesn't address, that's not addressed in the Word of God. Some people stand up and say, oh, no, I, I got all kinds of things. Read and study God's Word, and you'll find out it addresses our problems. It teaches us how to act and react to whatever's going on in our life. You know, there are some people, just like there was in the Old Bible, Old Testament, excuse me, New Testament-like, they done everything they could to prove the Bible wrong. Even those who were God's children because it didn't fit the worldly idea and the worldly type of thoughts. But keep that in mind as we go forward. Now, I said we want to study about peace this morning. Sounds really good. I made the statement last Sunday as, as I introduced services that Peace is something that I'm not sure we know what it's really about. In the Webster's Dictionary, it tells us that peace is quietness, it's calmness, it's tranquility. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. You know, we were in Colorado two or three weeks ago, and we took these little guys fishing and, and uh we was at this little lake, you know, and, and the wind was real calm and, and the water was so calm that the reflection of the mountains and the snow just in the pictures come off the water. That, that's calm. That's something that I believe every child of God's soul yearns for, a calmness and a quietness. The challenge for us today is, is to have that in a world that's full of noise, in a world that's full of problems and trouble and Things you can't get to, you can't do anything about. You know, if the state of peace is everything good and nothing bad, and that's the closest definition I can get, let's, let's read a verse and we'll get back over here for just a minute. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in the book of Philippians and the book of Colossians. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Now, we have definitions of peace, but there is no man living that understands the peace of God because God's word said it passeth all understanding. You may think you know what God's peace is, but I'll assure you there's no man that fully understands the peace of God. We're told over in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, for unto you a child is born unto you. A son is giving, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. This is speaking, has reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And his name shall be, as he's called by many names, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Our God is peace. And that peace, it passeth all understanding. I don't understand it. And I'll assure you, you don't, because the Word of God says that it passeth all understanding. Now, we have men who are smarter than me who wrote dictionaries, and, and they give us a pretty good idea of what peace is. But as we continue to look at that dictionary, and it's in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, it talks about calm and quiet and tranquility. But it's freedom from uh, being agitated or disturbed. Did you know that? Freedom from disturbance or agitation. It goes on to say that it's applicable to societies, to individuals, or to the temper of the mind. Friends, I believe that 
the peace of God that's available for you and I today has everything to do with the mind. Everything. You know, we talked about everything good and nothing bad being peace. One day you will know what perfect peace is. When you close your eyes in this life and they're open in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a place of perfect love, a place of perfect peace. But it's not here and it's not now. And yet God's word says, notice this verse, be, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall, and let's stop just a minute before we go forward, shall. You know, we as primitive Baptists love the shalls and the wills. You know, we're told in Isaiah 46, remember things of the, uh, the former things of old, for I am God and there's none else. I am God, there's none like me. He said, I declared the ending from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that have not yet been done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. I will. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, speaking of Jesus Christ, the man that ex executeth my counsel from a far country, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will do it. The wills and the shalls, notice what it says there, shall. That word shall means there's no possibility of failure. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Friends, we're dealing with the heart and the mind. Freedom from disturbance and agitation. Problem is, are we applying it? I ask you right now, have you, do you get agitated much? Agitated at your work, agitated at your boss, your, your spouse, your, your children? Is agitation a part of your life? Do you get disturbed about anything in this world? You know, this sermon is more for me than it is for anyone. Freedom of disturbance and agitation, uh, wouldn't that be great? Isn't it something that you, you desire? Isn't it something that your heart and soul would want? It has to do with the temper of the mind. I ask you today, what are you filling your mind with? You know, I, I know folks that sit around and, and watch TV or stay on their phone. I don't watch TV, but I have other ways of getting it. What are you filling your minds with? Do we want God's peace to, to keep our hearts and minds? Notice it's through Christ Jesus. It's a challenge. Living, living today or any other time has always been a challenge. Is it possible that the things that God speaks of, you can do. Can you do those things? Paul said in this same chapter, I can do all things through Christ. Again, it's through Christ, which strengthened me. Most of us are habitual creatures. We spend a lot of years forming the habits that we got. And most of us don't have very much, a very good desire, or a very big desire, or a willingness to break those habits. This is who we are, and... This is where I'm standing. Some people go to the extent of saying, I cannot possibly change. This is the way I am. I've been this way all my life, but you can. We all can. But we ought to make an effort. We've got to make a conscious effort to change. As I've read this, I thought about more about being disturbed or agitated. Wouldn't you love to live through life and no matter how many storms come, and they're coming, 
Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In Jesus Christ you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations. That verse tells us how long we're going to have tribulations. What is the world under consideration there? It's the Adamic world. It's every man, woman, and child that's ever been born. The elect and the non-elect. And until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and we live and breathe in this world, we're going to have troubles. Jesus guaranteed them. You can take it to the bank. And yet Jesus says that we can have peace in our hearts and our minds that passeth all understanding in the midst of all these storms. Almost hard to believe, isn't it? You know, another one of the definitions of peace is rest. He said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. If you're constantly disturbed and you're constantly agitated at somebody, something, or something in this world, it's highly unlikely that you'll ever have peace in your life. That's why I said our belief or, or mine is, is an idea of living where everything is good and nothing is bad. And that day will come, but not in this life. And yet Jesus said that his peace, which you and I have no ability to understand, can keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, regardless of the circumstances that we might or might not be going through. Now I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to tell you it's not a challenge. It is a challenge. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge not to be disturbed at everything going on out in the world, at least what you know of. And you can't live in such obscurity that you don't know any of it. But there are things we can do to keep filling our minds with all these things. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Again, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The balm that you and I need is Jesus Christ. And the one thing I've learned in my life, and we all need to learn this lesson, you can't change anybody but yourself. Some people are unwilling to change. Some people tell you they cannot change. It's impossible for me to change. doesn't matter what God said. They've made their minds up. It takes a conscious effort and a willingness to want to change. Paul said over in Romans Chapter 12 and verse 2, he said, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What does it mean to renew your mind? It means to renovate it. Most of us are familiar with renovating a house, renovating something. We see people tear out the old walls, bust them all down, completely redo it. I tell you, there's some of us, and I'm, I'm number one, need to clear out my mind and refill it with the things of God's Word. First of all, we need to understand the brevity of life. We're like a vapor that appears for a little time, and it vanisheth away. You know, I see that. The older I get, I see how short life really is. You look back and wonder where all the time has went. Seems like yesterday I was a young person growing up, going to school, doing all these things, and here we are. 
years and years later. Where did the time go? Solomon said in the 12th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, when the evil days come not. Those evil days are the age of, uh, days of old age, when the body begins to fail, the eyesight. We don't all begin to fail at the same date, at the same time. But if we live long enough, we're going to have things fail. We need to understand the brevity of life. Jesus said, take my yoke upon me and upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I'll tell you right now, I don't believe that anybody can find the rest that Jesus speaks of unless they're at peace. Peace with the world in which they live, and that's, that's a challenge. It's a great challenge. One, it almost seems impossible. You go to Hebrews chapter five, uh, 4. It talks about the power of God's word in verse 12. But you're going to find that there were those who did not enter into God's rest in Hebrews chapter 4 because of unbelief. I ask you today, I don't know what your trouble is. I don't know what all the troubles of all the people God's people are. We all have them. Jesus guaranteed them. Not any of us are going to escape the troubles of life. But Jesus said we can live with peace. We can keep from being disturbed and agitated about things in this world, especially the things that we cannot do anything about. It's a challenge. It's a hard challenge. It's not easy living in this whole world and following the Lord and keeping your mind filled with the things. And today, as we go along, I, I want to look at applying this to our lives. It's one thing to preach what peace would be and what it what will bring to your life, but how do we get there? Can we get there? The Bible says we can. But do we get there? Are we at peace with the Lord in our lives, regardless of what's happened? And friends, the storms aren't over. You know, we're told in Psalms 1 about storms and trials. All throughout the Word of God, Jesus said in this world, ye shall, without a doubt, there's no possibility of failure that you'll have tribulations. And like the storms that we have every year, Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, you name it. They just keep coming. That's why he said, in this world, ye shall have tribulation. As long as you are living and breathing in this world, trials are going to come. You can't stop them. We, cannot, we don't have to talk about them. Paul talked a lot about them. They're the reality of life that we need to deal with. It's not that we won't have trials. It's how we act and react to the trials that we face in life. He said, I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light. Friends, when we learn of Christ and when we make him the preeminence in our life and lay our burdens at his feet and quit carrying them, we can live. When we always live every day with the perspective of how short time is. You know, no matter how long you live, whether you live to be 50 years old or 25 years old or 100, Against the backdrop of eternity, it is nothing. It is a moment, a twinkling of an eye, a speck. That's why the Bible said, the Lord said, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Time is irrelevant to God. It's everything to you and I. We live within the boundaries of time. But God lives outside the boundaries of time. And one day, when you go to heaven and you put off this old sin-corrupted body, 
You're going to live outside the boundaries of time. Let's go forward a little bit and, and, and continue to look at this. Jesus told his disciples in John 14 and 27, he says, my peace I leave with you. He says, my peace I give unto you. Now, I believe that this peace that Jesus talks about, we'll all know it in heaven. It'll be perfect peace, just as we'll have perfect love for the Lord and, and for each and every one of our brothers and sisters. But we don't have perfect love. You know, it says in John 4 and 18, perfect love casteth out fear. There's only one perfect one that loves perfectly, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ at this time. But someday we'll know that. But he says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Apparently there's some so-called peace that's proposed to be given to you from the world. He said, the peace I give you is not like the world. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I will argue with you today that if the peace of God, as we're told in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, I believe it is, if the, or 15, if the peace of God is ruling your heart, you won't be troubled. You won't be afraid. Yet Jesus said, you're going to have a life filled with troubles. How is that possible? It's through Jesus Christ. How do we get there? Philippians chapter 2 begins in the first verse. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. If you'll begin to read God's word and, and understand how many times it speaks of the heart and mind, you're going to understand that the temper of the mind is what we need to free. We need to free it from disturbance, from being disturbed and from being agitated. Me and Brother Darrell was talking about a situation he was in a few days ago that could have erupted in such a circumstance, but... I believe the peace of God kept him calm in a, in a time that he could have got all riled up and agitated. Wouldn't have changed anything, but I think it's a witness to the Spirit of God uh, keeping us level-headed, keeping us understanding that time is short. The things of this world are just a bunch of noise, and they really don't matter to the extent that we feel like they matter. It says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, humbleness of mind. The Bible speaks of that many times. Are you humble? Do you have lowliness of mind? It's all about the mind. It's all about what we put in there. Have you renewed your mind? I tell you, that's a challenge in the world we live in today. It's a greater challenge today than it was 75 years ago because of all the apparatuses we have to keep our minds from being cluttered with all the things that are going on. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That speaks of a renovating of the mind, does it not? 
It speaks of things needing to be changed. We need to renovate. We need to throw out the old and put in the new. And that being the things of God, the things that really matter. You know, we're living in a time that it's, it's difficult to know where the truth is, isn't it? One side says this, the other side says that, and where the truth is, I'm not certain. But the one thing I am certain of is you'll find the truth in God's Word. What God said is the absolute truth for every circumstance and every situation that you face in life. We all have challenges. We all have difficulties. We all have good days. But are your hearts and minds being kept by God's peace that passeth understanding? If they are, it's because you're in tune with Jesus Christ every day. You can't, you can't become in tune with Jesus on Sunday and then throw him out Monday morning when you go to work and expect all things to be stable and calm in your life. You just can't. There are physical things that happen to us in life and trials that come our way that, that we have no ability whatsoever to control. But we can control how we react to those things, whether or not we're disturbed. You know, I know a few people I believe fit this bill, not many, a few, that really fit it. They don't get riled up about anything. They're not agitated about anything. They're not disturbed. So easy to get disturbed and to get agitated at others, at yourself, at many, many things in life. Notice what it says back up here in verse 4 in Philippians chapter 4. I believe this is where it begins. When it said, and the peace of God, it talks about and things that went before this verse. And the peace of God which passeth understanding. It begins in verse 4 and it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. On your worst day and in, in the most difficult situation you face, are you rejoicing in the Lord? Oh, Brother Kenny, I can't rejoice when I'm having one of those kind of days. That's where I am. You know, sometimes we can't look beyond the scope of the moment. What's happening right here and now. This says rejoice always. It didn't say rejoice if everything's good and nothing's ever bad, which is what we would like. It said rejoice always. I believe where it's where it starts. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. This is an important verse. The Lord is at hand. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, that ye may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is at hand. He's there when you need him. He's never left us. We may have forsaken him and drifted out into that desert, Brother Randall spoke about, and be wandering around out there in that spiritual desert. Easy to get there. Sometimes hard to get out of it. Sometimes we become spiritually dry. We lose our zeal, our excitement in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus is the balm that we need. There is no other answer for the problems that we have in life. From a spiritual standpoint, how we deal with them, how we act, how we react, we need to keep that in mind. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Do you pray about everything? Do you pray, God, give me a mind to deal in a non-disturbed and non-agitating way with whatever trial or situation comes my way? I'm not here to tell you it's easy because I don't believe it is, but I believe it's possible. I can do all things, Paul said, through Christ. So can you. There's things that we can do 
that we've been we've we've convinced ourselves and determined that we cannot do, but we can. Paul didn't tell you your mind could be renovated and you could fill it up with something new and remove the old if it wasn't possible. It is possible. We need to be concerned about applying things. If we've walked along for 50, 60 years or however long you may be living, we got a lot of habits. And some of them are not good. Can they be changed? Yeah, they can. If there's willingness and a conscious effort, they can. We've got to remove the old and bring in the new. Let the mind of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We'll read that in a minute. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. We need to think different. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We'll get a few verses out of Colossians chapter 3, and we'll get back over there and try to close. In Colossians chapter 3, we begin in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. This is talking about God's children, the ones that have this ability to have a peace that passeth understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind. I see in God's word it continues to go back to the mind, to how we think, and how we think is how we react and act in life and how we deal with things. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against another, any, even as Christ forgave you also, do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Perfectness. Perfection. We'll never attain perfect love or perfect peace in this life, but we ought to be striving to do the best we can. And let the peace of God, we've got to do something, let the peace of God rule your heart. If we don't clean out our minds in the way we think, God's peace will not rule our heart because there's too much out here to draw our attention away, to keep us focused on this world and not upon Him. To the which you are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. We're told in that prayer in Philippians to pray with thanksgiving. Be thankful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when things are good, always. Let the word of quiet Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If we want to make an application in our life to temper our minds, which I believe is what we got to do to deal with the challenges, the circumstances, and the trials that we're going to face, and we're all going to face them. I and we hadn't faced our last ones unless the Lord comes back today. We don't know what they will be, but the Lord does. Back over in Philippians chapter 4, we close with a couple of verses. It says, Finally, brethren, verse 8, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, 
Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What do you think about on a Sunday? What do you think about on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday? Do you think about the Lord? Do you think about lovely things, pure things, just things, honest things? He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 4, when they got in the, in the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee, he said, let us go across to the other side. Whether you understand it or not, you and I are sailing through life in a boat, and Jesus Christ is in the boat. You may not know it. He was in the hull asleep physically, but the Lord's at hand. He's your only help for the problems that you have. He is the great physician. He is the bomb. You know, Paul had a thorn in his side, and you may have one now. I don't know what it is. I don't know how you deal with it. Paul didn't deal with it very good, did he? He prayed three times, God, remove this from my life. It's a hindrance. It's a pain. didn't matter if it's physical or spiritual. We all have thorns in our side. We all have thorns in life. We have troubles. Jesus guaranteed them. But he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean? The weaker you and I get in this life, and the more troubles we have, the more dependent we become upon Jesus Christ. The greater our prayers are, the more humble they are, the more sincere they are. Isn't it amazing sometimes we have to get down to that state before we pray unto God in such a manner? I know from my own experiences in life, the circumstances that you're facing have a lot to do with the way you pray and how you pray and how often you pray. Be careful for nothing. Pray all the time. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways. Be careful for nothing. In all thy ways, acknowledge God. In your work, in your family, in your church, in the nation. And he shall, not maybe, he shall direct your steps. There's no possibility of failure of God directing your steps if you acknowledge him in every part of your life. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what we need because none of us know what storm's coming next. But we need to be at peace, even in the midst of the storm. You know, Jesus got up and said, Peace be still in Mark, the book of Mark, and the water become instantly calm. He's the only one that can calm your fears. He's the only one that can help you with your troubles. But we need to get this stuff out of our mind. That's how we apply, make an application to our life. That's how we free our minds from disturbance, from being disturbed, from being agitated. And friends, there's a lot to be disturbed about and a lot to be agitated about in this life right now. That's why we need to think upon the things that he spoke of in the 8th verse of Philippians chapter 4. May God bless us to renew our minds. May God's peace be upon each and every one of us. That doesn't mean that we're all going to get well, we're all going to have a perfect life, we're getting older, things are going to happen. But it does mean we can be at rest with the Lord. We can be at peace because we know that the time is coming before long that we're going to go home to be with the Lord. What a blessing that will be. When my Jesus, I shall say, my God bless you is my prayer.